0: There is all sorts of exciting and wonderful things you can do to deliver your applications quickly and safely. So, you know, if we go back to 1979, um, you know, you've got, uh, (laughs) at least in the U.S., you've got, um, uh, uh, you know, all in the, uh, I'm sorry, uh, um, Three's Company is released. Um, you know, or rather is, is one of the big shows on TV. The Walkman is released, um, very exciting times. Michael Jackson's off the wall, comes out, and then we have the first version of Oracle, all right? And um, it, it was actually version two because Larry Ellison doesn't do version one. Um, and so it was version two, and it ran on a VAX system. And uh, had tables, columns, you know, all, all the the basic things you would expect. And people would write a SQL script and would execute it against the database. Now, now this was really cool. This was black magic at the time, uh, a cutting-edge technology, because somebody could use, um, you know, structured query language, SQL, and find out, um, you know, what are our top 10 accounts? What... You know, uh, um, you know, we could find information so quickly, and we didn't have to go to uh, rifle through file folders with paper. Uh, and that was amazing. And it all innovation pretty much stopped at that point. Okay, so, you know, fast forward, we have the dot-com bubble, and everybody's buying Oracle on Solaris servers. And that was pretty cool. You know, uh, uh, Sun and Oracle were just killing it. Um, I, I worked for a, a, a failed dot com at the time uh, called .com, and we paid so much to Oracle and Sun. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And around 02, 2002, uh, a bunch of weirdos got together and wrote the Agile Manifesto. And so prior to that, You know, we had people dabbling in extreme programming. So you you remember that when we were calling everything extreme, like Doritos and Mountain Dew and all that stuff?
1: Um, Not so much on that side, but I certainly remember extreme programming. And I'm pretty sure there's still a fair few who refer to it and practice it. But um, I do remember. Actually, no, I think I do remember now. I think it leaked out to the... uh, to the non-American world. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, it was, you know, it was crazy because up until that point, we were building software like we built bridges. You know, that, that's what waterfall is. You gather requirements, you uh, uh, analyze the requirements, you start doing implementation, you do verification, and then you go into maintenance mode. Seriously, that's what you do to build a bridge. Um, and then some weirdos got together, and, and I, I say that you know, as a joke because the they weren't weird. Way, yes, it it yes. was am- amazingly insightful, and they did things like, well, we value you know, uh, 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 working software over documentation, things like that. We're, we're not going to go into the basement for six months to come out with something. We're going to do something for two weeks, and we're going to deliver it. Like, oh, oh my goodness. Um, and that started to work. Uh, we started putting out more and more applications, and doing, you know, our daily standups and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, and and that was really cool, you know, test driven development, all, all these wonderful, amazing things that helped us. Again, nothing that applied to the database. Um, and so then we have another inflection point with two thousand nine uh, with um, DevOps. All right, this idea that, hey, we're putting out applications. Our number of applications has increased. The number of releases have increased. And we need to bridge that gap between those two parts of the organization. Uh, And that's that's DevOps. It was also an algorithm, uh, a new way of releasing software, where we would look at the entire release process as a value stream map and identify areas where... Um, we had lengthy wait states. Um, and so we, we see this mad rush uh, from companies to um, digitally transform their organization. Previously, manual processes are, are being handled by applications. Um, you know, customers, uh, the, the, the largest demographic since the baby boomers, millennials, they want to interact with companies on their phone. Um, And Facebook has set the standard for those app updates. Every two weeks, you get a Facebook app update. Um, And so those customers are used to that. So companies need to move faster. They are adopting agile. They're adopting DevOps. They're moving to the cloud. They're designing cloud-native applications with microservices. All these wonderful things, and everybody has forgotten the database. Every single one of those people. And so what happens is, is that they automate their application release process with all sorts of build tools and application release automation, and they completely neglect the database. And that's where Datacle comes in. That's our value prop. At the end of the day, we are aligning database change with application change so that we want to see your database changes checked into the same repository, same source code repository where your application code changes are. All right. Um, We want to see those go along as a release artifact through the build system. Um, And we do a lot of really cool stuff that enforces that, that, you know, because databases have state, you can't just blow them away and recreate them. You know, maybe in dev, maybe in test, but certainly not production. So that's what we come in. We bridge that gap between the cadence that the application releases are moving at and the cadence that the database release is moving at. So,
1: actually, so let's dig into this a little bit because, I mean, one of the reasons I was interested in speaking to you is I, I, I remember this pain. I actually used to work a lot in the you, past with um... –
0: Did you block it out? It, it, most people have PTSD <laughs> after that.
1: Um, mostly, yeah. I mean, I, I, you still catch elements of it with things like merge conflicts, but it's still a lot better than it was. Um, I get, So I actually spent quite a long time um, working with and implementing Drupal. So CMSs are kind of one of the, mm-hmm. the really big pain areas of this sort of workflow because uh, the nature of them is that they put a lot of configuration as well as uh, data into the database because it's supposed to appeal to non-developers. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of... I sort of left that community behind when they, in quote marks, solved this problem, Um, borrowing a lot from the kind of Rails movement of putting more configuration Mm -hmm. into files and things like that. Um, But I would hazard a guess that it's still not perfect. Um, So bearing in mind that a lot of kind of web frameworks especially claim to have sort of solved this problem... um, with those sorts of principles, things like fixtures and migrations and et cetera, et cetera. What mm-hmm. do you do differently or on top of those sorts of things then?
0: Well, sure, and that's a really good question. I mean, you know, certainly Drupal is, is a great you know, example of a CMS that has config data. I would also look at things like um, you know, Oracle applications or SAP, those sorts of things. Those are all driven. Uh, certainly your Salesforce implementation. You know, all of that is driven by big data. Um, however, those are, uh, uh, you know, we certainly play in that, but where companies, um, our customers that use Datacle are building custom applications for themselves, all right? So I'll, I'll use an example of NBC Universal, all right? And, and, and they have an application that manages the money that they have to pay to show syndicated content on their channels. And um so they when you when you have a channel and you say okay I want to you know show Seinfeld, you know, a billion times a day on this channel. Well,
1: I'm sure I think it happens so yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, or or whatever show. And so what they do is they cut a deal with the syndicator. And they say okay, we're going to buy you know, 20 episodes. Um, and, and we're going to show this and we're going to show it at these times. And they, the syndicator might have uh, different pricing. Like if you show it during the day, late at night, it's cheaper than if you do it during the day. However, this is copyrighted content. And, you know, if they show a TV show that they have not purchased the rights for, um, they get in some really big trouble. Okay. Um and they they just that that is a cost that they do not want to incur. The other side of it is well what happens if we buy this stuff and we don't use it, right? So that's another problem. So there's one incurring cost, the other one is not using what you paid for. So they built a custom application to do this. And so they needed to get out faster. They had more, more content, more functionality that they wanted to put in this application. And they went and purchased an ARA solution to speed that application deployment. However, they were still manually updating the database. And what they found at NBC Universal is that no matter how much time and energy and money they threw at the application deployment problem, it was a moot point because they didn't address the database as well. Um, So that's our customers, customers that have custom applications that cannot rely on, um, you know, the best description I could use is COTS, commercial off the shelf stuff. Although I, I know Drupal isn't commercial, but you know, That that idea of like, well, I have a unique problem, and I previously threw bodies at this, and I want to digitally transform it. I want to automate that internal process that only myself and maybe four competitors have. Well, they can't go and buy that software. So it's custom application development, and that's where we come in.
1: So can I just actually – picking up on some of the things you've said and also some of the the companies you've mentioned. So maybe I'm kind of going up the wrong path here and actually your target audience, I guess, is not the sorts of people who use Rails and PHP, but Oracle and SAP programs and the kind of real enterprise level um, SaaS products. Is that mostly who you're aiming at?
0: Well, no, sir. It is folks that do custom (laughs)
1: application development. Okay. Okay. Um-
0: so, so like NBC Universal, or or you know, you are um, a large financial services company. Um, you're dealing with uh, not only regulations from um, you know various government agencies, but you're also dealing with a ton of money, and you need to roll out functionality quickly because maybe you're a large bank and you're concerned about these fintech startups taking away your high margin business Um, and you need to get applications custom applications out faster and faster if the company relies on dbas to manually execute a sql script and they have more than a billion in revenue that's where we come in
1: i guess i'm still trying to identify what is you add on to what some of these languages and frameworks offer by default is it Purely reliability and kind of scalability, or is there actually more in terms of functionality as well?
0: Well, put yourself in a position of a mid level application man, uh, application development manager at a large company. Uh, you have a custom application uh, that is probably been around longer than you've been at the company, so you've got you know legacy app. And you have been tasked with adding functionality and moving it to the cloud. Now that's tough, all right? Now, right now, you you have some infrastructure in place to maybe automate the app. And maybe you've got a team of DBAs, it's a shared data services team that you rely on. But uh, you're moving to the cloud, and so you can no longer rely on your infrastructure that you you have built that maybe has even host names hard coded in your 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 Perl scripts that, that somebody wrote five years ago uh, or, or longer. Um, and then you also realize that your take it's taking days to get a database update because the DBAs are being flooded with requests from other application teams. Those are the folks that are very interested. In Datadog, they are looking for a way to not only automate their database deployments, but also make sure that they have something that is going to help them move to the cloud, is going to help them rearchitect that database to support microservices. Okay, and so yeah. okay. that's that's where we come in. Is that clear?
1: A little bit, a little bit. Um, so um, I guess one of the things I picked up on there is you're saying that also these changes could be made by DBAs and not just developers. That's one advantage.
0: Well, absolutely. And microservices teaches us distributed data management. Um, you know, if, if you look at Martin Fowler's uh, um, post about this, uh, one of the hallmarks of microservices, of cloud-native applications, is that we have cross-functional teams. We, in the past, followed Conway's law. Uh, a, a system will uh, be designed to match the communication um, that exists in the company. So we had, you know, user experience UI folks. Well, they did the web server, uh, you know, JavaScript and images and that kind of stuff. Then we had the Java developers that did the business logic on the app server. And then we had DBAs that took care of the database and we had our three tier application and it's wonderful. And IBM sold a lot of webs here. Well, that's not working. And so now with this move to cross-functional teams, the UX folks and the um, Java developers business logic folks are working together side by side. What we need to do is bring that um, ability for the dev teams to actually push their changes through that release pipeline to no longer rely on a ticket or having to rely on an external DBA. Let's bring that DBA, bring that database expertise into that cross-functional team and let's start doing the whole, you build it, you run it. Now, that's tough with the database, all right? Because if you mess up with an application deployment, you can easily, very easily roll back. And you can fire up new containers with the old app and we're good you dork up a database my goodness you're in for a world of hurt and so that's the functionality that we have in datacle things like forecast show you what we're going to change but don't change it we have a rules engine that can enforce things like naming conventions and best practices for databases and we got thousands of them that just come with the product you can write your own so When you can enforce the things that DBAs are having to do manually today, with executing, with reviewing and executing SQL scripts, we can allow the the developers to start doing some of this stuff, and then our DBAs eventually become uh, data scientists. They start doing higher order tasks instead of just being, you know, script monkeys. Which they're 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 so much more talented than than just that. They, we need them to do more stuff.
1: So I mean, without going into or going into as much detail as you can, um, uh, for intellectual property reasons, but also just technical reasons, um, how? So referring to your example of if you want to reverse a mistake when you make a change to a database, it's pretty hard. So how? Yeah what are you doing that makes it possible to reverse something that you couldn't previously what, what's your what's your secret source in uh, skirting around giving me any detail of course but what's your secret source oh, sure. to let people no, no. do that
0: oh I'll give you tons of detail all right um, you know same thing we share with our customers you know um, I will say this you know the best way to perform a rollback is to not have to do it all right, so I want to be very clear on that is that yeah, it's tough to do a rollback and you need to ask yourself well well why do people feel the need to roll back? Well, it's because they got a bad push in production. Well, just like we have to roll back apps because we have a bad, you know, we got a bug in production. Well, how the hell did it get into production in the first place? Well, you know, shame on us for allowing that out of development and test. So, back in the day, when we started adopting Agile and DevOps, all right, Agile taught us well. <clears throat> let's let's do things like test-driven development. Uh, let's catch a lot of these errors instead of having to do manual testing. Let's automate that stuff. Um, with DevOps, it teaches us well. Let's get a small, small change out, all right, instead of relying on these huge, big six-month releases. You know, every six months, every quarter, we put out a release with a ton of change. Change is the enemy of stability. Why don't we put out more releases with less change? All right. And so we are able to apply those learnings to the database. And that's because of our, uh, we have an object model when it comes to database changes. We don't, you know, we certainly speak SQL to the database because that's what it understands, but we're able to do things like group these changes up and to only apply what is different. We're able to do things like uh, model that change on the staging environment. And what that does is instead of having humans manually execute SQL scripts, we start to have consistency across all of our environments. We eliminate configuration drift, just like we do with source code control and automatic, uh, automated releases of our application. We do the same thing with the database. So these are not new concepts. But... Applying it to the database is difficult, and that's what we've accomplished. Being able to have that object model to represent change, propose change, compare it to the current state of the database, gives us the ability to do that forecast, to enforce naming conventions, uh, to make sure that you don't add a foreign key unless the columns have an index. Stuff that would take you know tons and tons of time for a DBA to verify, oh, we, we automate it. And so now our DBAs can do cool stuff like, how do we move this to the cloud? How do we shard off um, our uh, databases for, st- for, for scalability and performance? They can start tackling those tough issues instead of just the, you know, really boring, tedious SQL script review.
1: Okay, so how... how... How does the product look? Um, does it sit on top of existing database clusters? And if so, um, what sort of uh, what what databases does it support?
0: Okay. Well, we support Oracle, uh-huh. Microsoft SQL Server, DB2, and Enterprise DB. Okay. Yep. We certainly have more coming.
1: So it's definitely now, the enterprise world. Yeah.
0: It is. It, it certainly is, and. Um, how it works is is actually how a person would interact with it is that they don't, all right? Our hope is to, when we go and implement at a customer site, we don't want customers seeing data. all right? They already have infrastructure in place to deploy their applications. They might be using Jenkins for a build server. They might be writing SQL scripts. Okay, they might have uh, some kind of application release automation solution like i b m urban code or or zebia or or electric cloud those sorts of things all right um and so what we want to do is we want to align with that so we have the ability to notice when SQL scripts are checked into a repository and bring them into our object model. That happens without the database developer or application developer even. Seeing it, we just take care of it. And it, in a sense, it's very similar to what Jenkins is doing with compiling code and creating a releasable artifact. Um, we integrate with Jenkins so that when we run rules against a proposed database change, it is just like unit tests. Uh, to make sure that somebody didn't uh, insert a regression or something like that into the code. We do the same thing with the database code. We integrate with those ARA solutions so that um, people just don't see it. And so it's kind of like gravity. It just aligns with what you have today, and you don't have to change your processes. What we're doing is um, basically saying to our customers, hey, you've solved this problem for the app let's help you tackle it for the database and that's what we can do
1: so i guess in answer to my next question which was what does what does it look like i guess the answer to that is in theory it should look like not a lot (laughs) in an ideal world they shouldn't know exactly what the product looks like because it's just sitting there behind the scenes helping out the, the, the the dbas and developers when they need it
0: Exactly, and look, I'm I'm from Texas, um, and and I got to tell you, it's just rude to just go into somebody's house and start rearranging the furniture. Um, (laughs) You don't do that. Painting their house uh,
1: a new color without telling them. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's the height of arrogance for software company to come into a potential customer, into future customers. Uh, business and say, okay, you got this problem, but you can't get there from here. You're going to have to change all this stuff. You have to use my tool. You got to install it on all these machines and, oh, it only runs on this OS and blah, blah, blah. No, that is not how we do business at datacle. What we do is when you see Jenkins with Daticle, the datacle plugin, um, it's just going to look like your existing project that you have set up, except there's going to be a couple more build steps, which is the Datacle DB build steps. One is a forecast. And if that's successful, do a deployment. That's um, you're, you're, exactly how our customers um, want to work with this, because they've already made an investment in these other tools. And it, it is just... You know, it, it's, we're not going to just whipsaw their organization and have them like, oh, okay, now you have to use this or have two different tools. No, 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 no. Just use what you have today and align those database changes with the application changes.
1: So I get the impression at the moment you're very much, um, every time there's a new customer, you go on premise and the, your engineers will actually set up an install And do you foresee a time when it's a more self-serve or is that just too difficult with what you do or just not the kind of business model you want to pursue?
0: No, it absolutely is. And that's where we're going. Um, Yes, we have folks that do go on site if the customer requests it, but we don't have to. Um, We have a customer success team um, that helps implement the software. Um, one of the things that's really interesting about this is that because we've had all of this functionality with um, you know all these great things with agile with DevOps and those sorts of things, it has totally skipped over the database so a lot of what our implementation engineers do is educate that side of the house and help them understand the sorts of things that that frankly they just weren't aware of so it, it is you know, a lot of handholding, a lot of this is what source code control is, <laughs> you know, not very often, but sometimes we have those conversations and we educate, but where we are going is a uh, database release automation as a service. We want Datacle to be cosmic background radiation that's in the cloud. So whether you're using AWS or Azure or any kind of um Like uh, Pivotal Cloud Foundry or Bluemix or those platforms as a service, that you have an option that Datacle is there and it's part, it's available to you and it's very easy to use. Um, We are focused like a laser on our customers' experience with Datacle and we are just, just, uh, uh, uh <laughs> this is, you know, number three in our core values is delight the customer. And we really focus on that first five minutes of experience with the software. And it's good, but we're going to make it better. And, and it is certainly going to be offered in the cloud and certainly in uh, platform as a service with partners like Pivotal so that it's just there and it just works.
1: Okay. Um, So in wrapping up, is there anything in particular that you really want to make sure people know about the product or anything new that's happening in the short term future that uh, you would also like people to know about?
0: Well, fair, great question. Um, certainly, we've got the the the, the cloud uh, offering uh, coming out soon, and certainly Datacle uh, running on your hardware behind the firewall in your private cloud, if you want. But but I'd like to you know I'd like to say this to to any of my you know database professionals that are out there. I would say that you're better than this. Okay, it is absolutely unacceptable. That you receive these SQL scripts at the last possible moment, that you are on a 48-hour bridge call over the weekend, uh dealing with somebody else's chuckle-headed mistakes. That is unacceptable. Um, and the organization needs to do better by you. Um, I believe uh that we do not sell software at Datacle. What we sell is uh, piano recitals, little league games, date nights with your significant other, all the things that you want to do, but you can't because you're stuck on a call updating the database. There are better uses of your time, and that's what we want to help with, because we need to unleash that talent that we have in all of our large corporations to tackle the really hard problems. Um, We cannot treat our database professionals like janitors. And so I guess it's also a call to action for any executives that might be listening that they really need to look hard at this because they have an amazing amount of talent there that is just answering basically help desk tickets. And they can do better as an organization. I challenge them to do better because if they don't, I guarantee you their competitors are and they're using Daticle to do it.